0: The Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Correll, director of Chet's Art. I like to paint monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zarr.
1: Okay, we are recording. What's up, Mike? Hey,
0: Chet. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, happy birthday. It's, you know, no, yeah, no one knows what day this is. We're recording this, but um, it is my birthday today. And so that's Happy that's birthday cool. to you. Happy birthday yeah. to oh. you. Happy birthday, dear so, Mike. Happy
1: birthday to you.
0: Yeah, so that's that's what's going on <laughs> today, which means that I'm, quote, trying not to work. And so this is like one of the little pieces of work I have to do, but uh, I'm happy to do it because I'm fully in uh, support of this whole Dark Arts Society podcast thing,
1: so. Well, this is also, you know, this interviewing our next guest is not what I would call work, more like well, play. No, but, but I mean, all of all <laughs> of my work
0: really ends up being play. That's the reality. But at That's the same true. time, the I, if I moment. don't, you know, we talked about structure a moment here ago that they didn't hear. But if I don't have structure then it's just this explosion of micness, which is not healthy or successful in living with other people. So, you know, there has to be that structure. Like when I close the door and go in the office, that's work time. Even though my work is play, it's still, it's work time. And then when I come out, that's break time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Important yeah. important pegs along the, the process of being successful and not losing my mind. All
1: right.
0: The disciplined stoner.
1: There, there And that's me.
0: And there's, our, there's our guest. Yeah, I've been watching his facial expression. Barely can handle it. The amazing Skinner. Skinner.
2: <laughs> this is like like when you're smoking pot with somebody and they're like, okay, this is what I do. When I when I smoke pot, and then I after this, and then I organize my things and I get focused and I go through my DVDs and I put the right DVD disc in the right case and I make sure that all of them are enough. <laughs> and if you you're can like, commodify get away from that, this
0: motherfucker. <laughs> I, if you can make money off of that, then you'd be like all over. You'd be like being John Malkovich, you know, you'd be like John Cusack I <laughs> – with your fingers through the DVDs, you'd be earning, but unfortunately, no one pays for organizing DVDs these days. On the other hand,
3: you they do pay.
2: You could pay a methamphetamine addict. You just be like, <laughs> "Oh, this is a promising young tweaker." There you go, kid. I look at, will you organize my DVDs?
1: <laughs> All right, I'm like, sure, man. All right. <laughs> Let me corral you two together. You get
0: a drink of moonshine here before we'll yeah. move on.
1: Okay. This is, uh, yeah. okay. I, I, I didn't get a chance to do my little intro, which I didn't have oh, figured sorry. out. But, uh, sure, we're stomping on Chet's game here. Come on, Chet. I'm just, I am just trying to keep it together. So, uh, Skinner is is a great artist, and I think he's a uh, uh, really great to have on the Dark Art Society podcast um, because not only does he paint monsters, but um, he paints. Uh, r- oops, I forgot my pop filter. Damn it. Okay, that's better. Sorry. Uh, uh, he paints a really colorful, bizarre, psychedelic monsters, and his work is full of humor, and it's really fun. And uh, I, uh, I, I'm a big fan of his work. And um, w- uh, when we when we talked at Designer Con uh, last week or whenever that was, I, one of the things you said to me was uh, you liked hooking up with other, well, what you, I forgot how you put it. Where it's like they people that paint monsters, but they're 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 fun and and there's a lot You're of humor involved and, it, and 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 it, it's not all about you know doom and gloom, the whole kind of dark art thing. And I thought that's you know that's a really good point to bring up that you know dark art, we're calling dark art, doesn't always have to be serious, you know. And oh and, no,
2: well you you like for you, I mean that's I I mean I can't stress this concept enough that you you can't judge a person by the art that they make at
3: right. all. You yeah, yeah
2: even though people do it and and i think that there's this like weird mystery thing for people you know where they're like oh man what's huh, what are you dreaming about <laughs> like i see a young chat drawing a little monster thing it's like oh jesus like this kid's fucked
1: up. Oh yeah, you know? I got that really, all my like, life.
2: But really, like you're just a, a <laughs> sweet person who's mm-hmm. just kind of flown through life, kind of enjoying things. You know, I think that like that's the thing is once once you become accustomed to the darkness and you're drawn to it, or you're drawn to the sort of uh, collective conscious mythology of of beasts and monster and the other world and otherworldliness. Like, it, I, I really feel like that mirrors us grasping. Uh, it's the way we wrestle with reality you know what I mean mm, yeah. it's like understanding mm-hmm. understanding that you know it's like if you have this sort of if you're touched with a sensitive intuition or a sensitive intellect you know you you start to see the way that that things are in this world very quickly at a young age and, and you're just met with the injustice you're met with right. like the horror uh, this, <laughs> this is wrong the horror it's really it really mm-hmm. is
1: horror yeah and uh, the horror.
2: and you i think you just kind of get into it and it's it's like it's also like fun it's funny i mean i it's like gallows humor you develop this sort of visual gallows humor to deal Mm -hmm. with life at a young age you know and Mm -hmm. then you just develop it over time and you you know and it's it's sort of a language that you could speak with other people like i see somebody's paintings that are very dark and I can immediately tell like kind of where the person sort of might be right. emotionally and I'm like okay this person is is fully enveloping the joke of the universe and mm-hmm. or, or this person is still taking themselves really seriously
3: right <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean like
1: you can see it. I'm yeah. like, oh, this motherfucker wears ruffled ass shirts and
2: stuff. Like, like, rena- like alone in a Renaissance fair, like billowy shirt. You know, like painting by candlelight and shit. My new masterpiece. Uh,
1: that yeah, like that that uh, the uh, um, uh, I was w- watching that the video you posted a Curtis Mayfield album the other day. Yeah. If you, you guys, if you haven't seen uh, Skinner's Instagram, it's like one of my favorite profiles on instagram because he puts man. these videos that are art so of
0: skinner art of Skinner. yeah they're yeah. so
1: fucking funny they just and th- the videos just crack me up man and it, and that's the thing you were saying you're playing curtis mayfield and uh, I, want, <laughs> I i don't even kn- yeah, well, i don't even know how to mean, describe I, I it but it was like so it's, fucking it's funny
2: uh, it's sort of uh my i mean i really feel like uh, i i've uh gone deep into the sort of like just making humorous things because it's like a survival mechanism you know Uh, what i mean to like deal with this the reality or whatever but like uh i really feel like it's like i just everything is a joke everything is a fun thing to make fun of myself the world the way that totally the social media has groomed us to uh sort of contrive and curate right. our, the way that we're perceived digitally. Yeah. And mm, so
3: mm-hmm.
2: when I do that, you know, like, Oh, Hey kids, listen to Curtis Mayfield. You don't have to listen to like stoned out cult doom shit <laughs> all the time. And, like, and, and you know what I mean? Like there's a spectrum of existing and, you don't have to limit the spectrum of your existence because you're trying to turn yourself into a digital product right. for validation. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Poor, but, anyways, are,
2: I'm, I, but I sound like an old person when I'm saying this shit. Like,
0: <laughs> no, you don't, man. You sound like you sound like an intellectual person that's actually processing and filtering information on a, a level that's above the dominant paradigm, which makes you atypical.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I, here's the problem though. If I, if I start spouting stuff like from that perspective, like, hey, y'all motherfuckers should listen to me, man. This is the real Info Wars. I'm the real Alex Jones motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, if I started taking myself seriously, people wouldn't, people don't respond. But like, I'm just trying to sort of, I guess, pick apart things that I think are funny or or that I think is funny about our culture or just myself or or if I'm just in the moment, like, oh, this is a funny thing. I think it's funny. Move on. Maybe it's not, but I just throw it out there. Yeah. But I think that, I think that, like, it's like I, I see things, I just see things, and I just think to myself, like, how, uh, like, so much about art and behavior and beliefs and everything are just so constantly corralled. It's like, it's like we're constantly being corralled. Like, check this out, believe this, believe that, right. do this. This is your role. This is what you should be. This is what you should be. I, I'm like in a full chaos mode where I'm like, I just think every single thing that comes from like a Western hegemonic perspective should be challenged and like dissected to a molecular level. And like, I just think that only when people feel uh, actually free to just be and do whoever they are in some sort of uh, way where they're not uh, being dually destroyed by society judging them and then themselves judging themselves with anxiety mm-hmm. and shit, then we're going to get like a lot more weirdness and creativity and coolness. Mm-hmm. And like, and that is what I, even though the internet is <clears throat> sort of problematic because it preys on our vanity and it preys on, um, like, uh, a lot of things about the way that our mind works, which I, I feel like is weakened by, by the, the way that like our culture kind of generally grooms us to be. Mm. So it's like, if you don't have a strong sense of self, then the internet is going to become your symbiotic best friend and you're not going to feel like anything without it. Right. And so I think that that's problematic, but I do think that the internet and technology has opened up as far as for artists has oh, really yeah. opened up like a, a strong, strong wave of independence oh, yeah. and going our own way. And like Chet, you're a perfect example of that with uh, Kickstarters and just selling your paintings online and uh, just cultivating your relationship with the people, which is hilarious because artists traditionally it was like you just be the artist you just be the the bearer of the visual wisdom and and the conjurations that you've um discovered on your journeys alone for you know hours and hours and hours of like getting better and better and figuring out who you are and your relationship to your creative rhythm Mm. and the and the gallery is like and we'll sell it to the rich people
1: yeah
3: (laughs) the (laughs) gatekeepers and
2: then then,
3: uh (laughs) but
2: then it was like over time the way that the internet kind of came on, it was like more responsibility was heaped on the artist. So I feel it was like, so be way more professional. The romanticized notion of a bohemian nutcase (laughs) who somehow has his, you know, one foot in the spirit world and one foot on a banana peel. (laughs) And like, you know, and like, so you just be this like mysterious bohemian that the bourgeois people are, are like obsessed with. Like, and, and then, but now it's like no, there's no time for that. Now, now in this compressed <laughs> capitalist structure, like you have to know everything, have it all done, all right. organized, completely finished. Is it ready to hang? Is it framed? Do you have it compiled? Right. Do you have high J- resolution JPEGs? How many followers do you have? Do you have what's your yeah? Um, what's your mailing list like? What's you got to figure this- out your
1: analytics and and yeah, uh, your, your ads this- and you know
2: yeah. So uh, I think it's interesting because I feel like as that. Uh, burden has been heaped on artists. So it's like there's less time to actually be super creative. Could you imagine if Frank Frazetta had to be in charge of his fucking social media? No, and I then, know, like, I,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: seriously, he wouldn't even have gotten half the shit done. I
1: know, I know. And, it's, a, it's And he
2: would probably be doing, like, posters for Star Wars or something lame. I mean, that would be cool. But <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying I, I'd rather have an artist do their own thing. So, um, the independence, though, that has kind of opened up is, is a really beautiful thing. And yeah. it's interesting because the old industry, like gatekeepers and shit of like making movies and, you know, if you want to do films or cartoons or if you want to have an art show or if, it, it was always there were always like it was like there's four or five, you know, roads yep. you could take. Yeah, and now it's like there's a million roads you can take, and not only that, like you can actually just build your own road if
3: you want.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's why I think the trade off is totally worth it. You know, like like you say, we 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 have to deal with the marketing and all this business stuff that none of us want to deal with. But um, yeah. but the fact, just the fact that you're able to reach people, reach thousands of people directly, yeah. is just it's It's amazing. it's and it's also, you know, I, i'm a, I'm an optimist, so I may be thinking this way just because I'm naturally an os- optimist. but it's definitely forced me to learn more about myself and realize that that I do have like skills at marketing, stuff I never gave a shit about, yeah, you know, or wanted to know about, but I had to learn about and business and stuff like that. So it's made me kind of a more well-rounded person as much as it takes away from the art aspect. Well, yeah. I've so it's it's so I, I you know I, I choose to view it view it that way you know so it's kind of it's kind of cool to you know especially at my age to be learning more about myself and realizing I can I can do other things as well you know so it's 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 kind of interesting and it all eventually flows back to the art in one way or another I think
2: yeah yeah mm-hmm. you, you're mm-hmm. I mean that's the thing I think too for just people. Um, and that I've had to learn because I've taken on a lot of projects over the last couple of years where I had zero working knowledge of what it took to do, like mm, animation, yeah. short- the puppets and stuff. So I realized that there were so many parts about myself as a... Uh, as a creative person that I was uncomfortable going into, like right. I was uncomfortable. I didn't want to have to learn how to like digitally do art. Yeah, and right. then I did mm-hmm. learn it. Mm-hmm. And now it's totally helped me do so oh, yeah. much stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to, um, learn storyboarding shit. And then like, I just got way into it and I was like, wow, this is crazy. This is like actually directing the film. Yeah. But the director mm-hmm. gets the credit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, then, and, then, and, then, you know, and, and even, uh, you know, it's, it's like, uh, Talking to people. I mean, I never wanted mm-hmm. to even talk to people. I, I, I was seriously, when, <laughs> when I well, just when I was, I've always been really shy. So going to knowing that going to my own art shows, I had to talk to people. That was a big deal for me. And and I, I had to force myself to start going to art shows when I wanted to break into this business and, and just, you know, yeah. learn, learn how to talk to people and be interested and, and, you know, know how to navigate that whole back and forth thing, which I was never great at. And so that was a huge thing that I did not want to learn. I was not interested in, and and it and it's definitely, absolutely made me a better person because of it, you know?
2: Well, now look at you.
1: Look at me now, man.
2: Look <laughs> at you. No, you, you're really, you're super good <laughs> at it, man. You're like one of the most personable. I feel like you, uh, I've, I've felt personally encouraged to be a sort of like, I don't know, like. like like an artist or a, just a person, mm-hmm. I guess that is, is more about like, you know, challenging the, the, the harmful, like sort of mental, uh, inhib, you know, inhibitives, the sort of con like mindsets that like artists and stuff get into. Like when you just like post a random thing on Facebook, mm-hmm. that it, it, and it sort of has the Buddhist nature to oh, it right, too. Yeah. It has, it has a lot of that stuff. <laughs> and it's like, and, and what I think is so cool about that stuff is that like it, it really is encouraging to me because I, I like as a person growing, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like f- being stimulated in my with my ego or feeling like notoriety is important or feeling like it, it's like all that stuff is important for the success of the longevity of the career. Right. But it's like there's so many things to like not get wrapped up in. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's one thing that it's like you have to constantly kind of stay on that like what's important right. my connection to my art my connection to myself my connection to the people i love and having enough you know to get by to be a responsible person but also to make sure that i'm not neglecting like my natural instincts by doing too much like business
3: work right art. yeah there's
1: always that balance Yeah, Yeah, for sure.
0: Chet's Chet's made me a better man for sure. I mean, really like working with Chet for the past five years there, I've told my wife many times, it's like, I am a better man because he's in my life because it's It's true though. No, it's true because the reality (laughs) is that, you know, you are a model in a certain way because you are a perfectly, I mean, as insofar as I've ever met, at least in, there's no such thing as perfect, but you are a good person, a genuinely good person. And that's rare. And you behave in accordance with ethics and your level of integrity, which you don't really define for yourself. It's like it's defined by God or the universe or something for you, and you just abide by it. So it's very much a Jesus kind of thing. So you're this like <laughs> model in your behavior. I'm serious in your behavior. There's this model, and so when when I'm you know behaving in my life, I, I'm always asking myself, well, "What would Chet do?" You know? <laughs>
1: yeah wow well thank you that's that's very kind of you guys I, no it's
0: true
2: because uh to have like positive examples you know i mean that's the thing is like to go outside of yourself and maybe we don't have like a strong grasp on what our ultimate moral center or our ultimate um you know uh place that we're gonna be once we've in you know done a lot of the emotional spiritual work of getting to a place of feeling calm and feeling like you have no control and having attachments to things and getting emotionally invested is only creating suffering for yourself and your family. Right. Like you're just, it's like, so once, once like maybe we don't feel, you know, like uh, we're good. Like we're the, you know, the Buddha under the tree yet. You know what right. I mean? Like we're not like fully enlightened, but we're like, Oh, well maybe what, what I wonder what Chet,
3: would think
0: about this. And so it's sort of you know, or whoever
3: your guru whomever, whomever, yeah,
0: totally. (laughs) Whatever whomever your mentor is, yeah. That's well, all about the mentors. I mean, that's the thing I think people I forget along that. the that's way nice is that we have all these teachers and they may not even be willing teachers. They may be unwilling teachers, but it's just that you and them align at certain times in your life. And and the reality is, is those mentors have more to do with who you become than your willingness or unwillingness to be present for them to teach you because you're already in the situation with them. So it's what you make of it. And so I think that, like you said, Skinner, it's really about all, you know, taking advantage of who are these people people that are in my life that help me to be a better yeah. person because they have lessons to teach me. They can actually provide wisdom, not just knowledge, you know, because knowledge will fade experiences fade. But if you can learn something by seeing that it works for someone else and you respect them, then you can say, well, how can I apply that to myself? And if you're able to make that leap, then that is wisdom. Well,
2: that's, but you have to be in a place of wanting to learn
3: sure you absolutely to,
2: see like it's weird it's weird because there's like there's this thing it's like almost like a switch that happens when you just like all of a sudden you're like oh I need oh, to be sh- conscious <laughs> of things uh-huh. oh maybe everything isn't about the individual self who can just get something cheap at Walmart
3: (laughs) or whatever. It's like, maybe it's like,
2: Oh, we're all kind of like every decision we make is inextricably linked to the rest of the universe. This is interesting. Right. You know? So it's like, but there has to be that, like that change because aha, right. So if you, you can't really, you can't really like force it on people. You can only kind of like, be kind and sort of provide you could just example. model.
0: I mean, that's what, yeah. Provide example, be a model. Yeah. Right?
2: I don't do that. Well, cause I just start screaming and yelling. and shit. I get <laughs> mad. You know? Like the other, like the other, <laughs> like, okay, wait, before I go on to this little crappy story, but I just want to say so, but once you have that sort of, uh, intention or inclination to be conscious or whatever, all of a sudden, even people that you don't look up to become gurus.
3: Mm -hmm. Totally. Absolutely. And you're like,
2: Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times I'll be looking at some, I'll be hanging out with somebody. I'll be like, man, they're irritating the fuck out of me. Yeah. (laughs) And then I just start to think like, Oh, why? And then I go, (laughs) Oh, because they're fully a reflection of some shit. I don't like about myself. Exactly. I know. It's painful. Hard to see. (laughs) Hard to, hard to accept. And then I'll, and then I'm like, (laughs) I start to feel compassion because I'm like, so they must struggle with like the hidden pain of having this, the source of this behavior is a hidden thing. And so then all of a sudden you can kind of like, it just, and then you turn from a judgmental asshole who's reacting to sort of like a compassionate being who can understand how that person's feeling that way.
3: Yeah.
2: this is, and this kids is what's missing in our culture, yep. <laughs> which is why we're obsessed with violence
3: and yep. things.
2: <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess like it's maintaining that position though, too, is sort of a difficult thing that like, oh, yeah, like yeah, buy- slope. I'm going into my reptile brain, you know, yeah, like uh, yeah, I read yeah. this, I read this really good book, uh, uh, by, um, Jack Cornfield, called after the ecstasy, the laundry. Have you heard Not, of that? No.
3: one?
2: <laughs> you should read it, but it's really, really good. Cause it's, it's, like it's, title. it's actually incredibly good. He, so he's a, a Buddhist teacher up at spirit rock. He knows Ram Dass and all that stuff. Mm. And, uh, but the book essentially is about staying out of your mind and keeping your heart open. All right. Because your mind will clinically compartmentalize and observe things through this like scrutiny and judgment that will pretty much keep you thinking the world sucks all the time and people suck and this sucks and I don't like this and like this is okay for me to do because of this reason. And all. All right. instead of just sort of having your heart open. And, um, feeling your way through the world Mm -hmm. and then, and, and feeling yourself and kind of understanding your own, uh, I guess we'd say like deeper intuition about how to exist in the world and like to reconnect with the part of yourself that was living in this world before you started to really see the darkness of it. And then the cynicism came in.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So it's like reconnecting with the, like the true part of yourself that doesn't see things, you know, without love being a present, the present way, the filter. Or right,
1: whatever. right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I don't... That sounds like I a good book. It does? Yeah,
2: well, you know, I'm a hippie guy now, you know? Yeah. But I guess, <laughs> but I guess the thing is, too, is that, like, you don't get into this shit without experiencing like a lot of pain i don't think
3: right you know yeah like, yeah that's... You,
2: you don't you don't get into this stuff without having like an intimate knowledge of the shocking cold victimizing nature of the universe there's no control i mean it's it's crazy
3: right, it's right. brutal.
2: here one second gone the next or i know or um i don't know man like sometimes i get I feel like I'm taking my life for granted or I'm taking things for granted and things seem seem shitty. And I'll listen to like a podcast about world war one or something.
1: Uh I'll be
2: like, Holy shit, man. My life is so good. Oh
1: my God. (laughs) I know compared to, you know, uh, (laughs) five percent or 3% of the world's population has it as good as us, you know? And it's, it's crazy how it's, 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 it's a, it's a brutal world. You know, it really is a kind of a brutal place. But I, 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 I want to, um, before we get, well, we're already 25 minutes in, so we, we're already getting All into right. the, no, no, it's good, it's good, it's great, it's great. I, I just want to. It's, it's um,
0: organic, it's conversational, yeah, this it's is, supposed to go the way it's supposed to go, this is going. the way it's this
2: supposed to be. This is the way it's gone. But yeah. We have organic conversations. I'm down,
1: I'm down. Oh, I I I, cool. <laughs> I just want to, uh, I, I you know, I know so little about your background. I mean, I've read interviews and seen video interviews, but I kind of was like, I want to know where, where are you from? You say you're from a small town. Is it secret?
2: No, um, Auburn, California.
1: Where's Auburn? Is that like Northern, Auburn is Northern like California? 30
2: minutes northeast of Sacramento, I think. Okay. So it's the, the foothills. Um, right. and that's where, that's where, you know, I was like, you know, uh, telling you to go listen to Clark Ashton Smith. So he's right. from there. Oh, wow. Like, what a trip yeah he's the coolest, weirdest dude from Auburn,
1: yeah. yeah. So, Skinner turned me onto this author. Uh, what was his name again?
2: Clark Ashton Smith.
1: yeah, and he's like he, he's so it's his stuffs amazing. I, I can believe that I'd never heard of it heard of him or heard have, his, yeah. I'd heard of him from reading about Lovecraft, but he's yeah. like he's like a Dungeons and Dragons version of Lovecraft in a way. Yeah, you know it's, cool. it's, it's really, really amazing. He's really into mummies too.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's, he he goes crazy for mummies. <laughs> no, no, so um, but the mummies are like some insane thing in a vault on yeah. Jupiter or something. It's never like a mummy. In <laughs> yeah, a pyramid, right, right. You know,
1: yeah, it's, but, um, it's great stuff.
2: Yeah, so I grew up there, and it's very rural. It's very beautiful. Um, it's sort of like the gold rush, like leftover from the gold rush. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, town and had like bandits and shit like that it's wow. just like wild west stuff
1: right
2: and so i grew up like where and, i live and there really wasn't <laughs> any culture besides the sort of like pseudo western culture it'd be like willie nelson came to town right or something. you know it was it was never like you know i'm gonna take skinner you know okay there's like a theater we had a theater there uh-huh. So my mom would take me to see Flash Gordon and stuff like that, but like there really wasn't that much happening there. I mean, it's very beautiful. There's like horses. Uh, There'd yeah. be like
1: a a rodeo, right? <laughs> you know? That's that's what I thought was kind of interesting. Is you said that um, because there was not like a good a comic store or anything that you got stuff from like ten years er- earlier. Or 10 years yeah. before your 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 references were these older things and yeah. but, and and that's but that's such a good thing because you were you're referencing the the good shit like creepy and airy magazine yeah. and you know the stuff that I was into as well because I'm like 10 years older than you so it's like yeah. we kind of had had very similar influences not and then also you, you you'd mentioned having kind of sounded like maybe you had some trauma early in your life with your family, oh, yeah. which is totally like my situation as well, majorly, which I think affected my artwork a lot, you know? So yeah. I, I, I was, I see a lot of parallels between you, you and I, and also the fact that you're painting monsters, but you're making, trying to make beautiful paintings, which is exactly what I'm trying to do. You know what I'm saying? The, the, yeah. I, I saw this interview where you're you're saying how you want people to, to see the see the be overwhelmed by the beauty of the work and then realize oh i'm looking at this you know horrible creature and that's yeah. totally exactly <laughs> my feeling as well you know so i can yeah. definitely relate to you in a lot did of ways did
2: you grow up in los angeles
1: uh san pedro which is like oh yeah which is home of the band you know the minutemen that band the minutemen yeah they're really amazing band punk band but um that's yeah, about, San
2: Pedro is cool. Um, yeah, it's like it's, it's kind like, of
1: hicky though. It's kind of like it's very much like it was a weird kind of redneck surfer surfer town, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's Bukowski moved there in his last oh, years and so lived there. He yeah. was there like
2: drinking port wine
1: <laughs> at the end of his yeah. days. I think he he quit drinking by then, maybe. But um, oh, he lived good. out his final days there. I think he's buried at the big cemetery there.
2: He ate his final sandwich. There.
1: <laughs> his final ham, <laughs> ham sandwich.
2: No, well, in, in Auburn, like, there was a... I remember my... I, I I was obsessed with whatever, like, monster stuff I could get. Like, a monster toy or, like... I remember seeing, of course, seeing King Kong. That film right. King Kong. When
1: I was little. So the and original it, King Kong or the 70s yeah, King Kong? The original The, one. the
2: original one, because they would play it on TV, like, once a year mm-hmm. or something. And I remember that changed my life, like completely changed my life. Wow. Like I was like, okay, I, <laughs> this is, this is what I'm into. This is what I do now. You
3: know? <laughs> and,
2: um, and then it was like, as, as time goes on, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. Like I see the Hulk and I see monster. Like it was like always monsters. It yeah. was like, it was never, it, you know it was like oh here's some superheroes and i'm like cool the hulk
1: yeah right so, exactly. like, same you know, here man like, that was the one like, i liked too
2: <laughs> fantastic 4 i'm like cool the thing yeah. that's the one <laughs> i like that one so um but like yeah so we we have like the old town auburn which is a super old place where all these antique stores were there mm-hmm. and the antique stores kind of mirror like sort of the old west um decorum that the town really encourages to exist even still, you know,
3: uh-huh. they're like,
2: this is what we want it to be old timey. Right. And, um, and I went down there and I remember I it was like eight or nine or 10, like 10, maybe, I don't know. And, and I wandered into an antique <clears> store and I saw this like pile of, of old comic books. Cause there's no, com- like there was no modern anything. Right. So then I look in there and I start seeing just insane comics from, I don't know, like 75, 72, Mm. you know, I was born in 78. All these things were born, were before I was even, you know, cognizant. Right. And so I was, I was like, okay, this is now, this is what I do. This is what I love, (laughs) you know? And so it just expanded that way. Um, and, uh, it's interesting because we're at this sort of place now too, where, uh, weirdos like us sort of like the nerds that liked all this stuff that wasn't popular are somehow kind of steering some cultural stuff mm-hmm. too yeah um, mm-hmm. and Re- so it's interesting revenge like, of the
1: nerds it,
2: yeah revenge <laughs> of the nerds but i mean i see i see all these like gi joe and transformer movies and shit and i'm just like i'd like to see a transformer movie if if like a person with Down syndrome directed it or something. Like I don't want to see Michael Bay. I, you know what I mean? Like, I oh yeah, don't need, I don't yeah. need to be reminded that people rely on CGI and post production stuff to create a spectacle. Like I want art. Right. Yeah, I want
1: absolutely. Weird art. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so art um, I, and did start, uh, I did start.
2: I did start having meetings with a dude who does stop motion animation. So we're going to start working on like a, a couple of like short film things and stuff like that. But I moved away from Auburn to Sacramento. I built uh, a house there, like a big artist community, built a house, lived there for 15 years with my wife, Christy. We then she grew up there and then we moved down here to Oakland like six years ago or so. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I, I would say like as far as trauma with people, it's interesting because there, there's that sort of that saying, the wound is the gift. You know, my mm-hmm. wife always reminds me of that. It's like mm-hmm. Rumi. The, thing, the thing that always kind of has ha- wounds you or is sort of like a part of you that maybe you struggle with can ultimately actually be like this incredibly beautiful, um, You know, opening for you as a being, this expansive thing in your nature.
1: Yeah. If you're willing to look at it. Yeah. You know, and deal with it, then it becomes a gift, you know?
2: So I would just like probably a lot of the trauma that I experienced as a kid, not knowing how to process it, drove me into more social isolation just making art mm-hmm. just uh drawing non-stop going deeper and deeper into the fantasy world of yeah, my mind Same going here. deeper and deeper and kind of like creating this like massive area where i felt power mm-hmm. um i felt like i know what i'm into i know what i like i know what what i believe in i know my mythology i know all this stuff like and so it's weird too because there's always those kids. There's always like the kids in school where it's like, Oh, this kid's drawing a werewolf. This kid's drawing star Wars, uh-huh. this kid, <laughs> you know, drawing ET. And then it's like, this kid's over here. Fuck. What the fuck is he doing? <laughs> this is fucking insane. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it's like, and so it's like, I like, I like the fact that I was able to sort of have that where I don't, I'm not steered, You know, my my early on connection with the weird world in my heart or my brain or whatever really has allowed me to just kind of sweep away any kind of encroaching pop influences if I don't want to. If I'm like, nah, I don't care. You know, I mean, if I do like a business minded thing like the Necronomicon pop up book, I'm like, well, I'm not like a, a pop-up book. That's a Necronomicon with seminal Lovecraftian tales in it is going to sell copies. But right. if I'm just all here's a bunch of insane psychedelic, right. dogs, <laughs> you
3: know,
2: 20 people buy it. And I'm like, it doesn't work. So right. that was, that's just a business concept. But I, I think that, uh, that's where I would say trauma for some people. It's like, sometimes it turns into addiction and sometimes right. it turns into surviving,
1: Right, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I I learned something when I, I went to therapy in the '90s, like early '90s, because I was so kind of fucked up from from all of my trauma when I was a kid. And, yeah. And uh, one thing that the therapist clued me into was that um, I may have been by uh, embracing the whole monster thing. I was sort of externalizing all this fear I had because basically it was like dysfunction and my parents getting divorced, my brother and sister fighting, like violently fighting. So it was like chaos and violence all around me. And I didn't know what was going on. I was the youngest kid. And so I would withdraw into myself and, uh, and draw like you were, you were saying, but, um, by kind of embracing the whole horror thing and the monster thing, I was taking, I was externalizing my fear and, Gaining a sense of mastery over it, so it was like kind of like a symbolic way of taking the things that scared me and saying, "I I'm in control of the things that scare me. I can draw these things, I I can I can make them however I want, and they're not scary anymore because they're my creations. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. taking that and, yeah, um, and, and turning it into mm-hmm. into monsters."
0: Well, you know, Chet, it's funny that you say that, too, because that's kind of how I've interpreted the whole dream thing for myself was like I felt preyed upon by these horrible, nightmarish experiences I had at a very young age where I was like, you know, feeling like I was being ripped out of my body and taken to other dimensions. And it was just terrifying. Whoa. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't story. want to go too much angel. into it, but it's like. <laughs> You know the thing is, is that I I couldn't I couldn't do anything about it. I knew that I faced it every night. It was just going to happen, and it was what it was. So, but once I started to learn that I could control the things, I, first I was aware that I was in a dream, and that, that I could control myself in a dream, and that furthermore I could then control the dream at large. That progress for me was just like you figuring out how to, you know, externalize it through your artwork. It was like, okay, I'm going to control the thing that's been controlling me, you know, and try to find a way to gain mastery over my dreams because there's something amazing there too, aside from all the terror. And if I can get past all of that. I can get to the real thing. And that's where all my great ideas have come from. So it's interesting. We each have our own little permutation of a a similar uh, model or structure,
1: you know, it's a
0: neurodiverse structure. I mean, really, that's what we're talking about is neurodiversity here. I mean, if you get right down to the core of it, we are none, none, none of us in this triad are neurotypical. We are neurodiverse, (laughs) you know, we are somewhere in that, (laughs) that realm. And so the way that we process information and we filter the sensorial data that's coming into us is very different, you know, and we're filtering out less and we're taking more, there's more focus. We all have special interests and we jump from our special interests to our other special interests and we don't know how to occupy ourselves. And when we're in social environments, we're really awkward and like, oh, what am I supposed to be doing? What does happy look like? How do I make that face? (laughs) You know? Yeah. So it's all very neurodiverse. Yeah.
1: I I, I, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would say in a nutshell, you could say it's, it's a, it's, it's, uh, a, 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 it was a create, it was using our creativity to deal with our trauma. You know what I mean? Uh, sure. you know, y- y- using our, our, our art, so to speak. And yeah, that's
2: mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing rather than running that, from it. I think that, uh, it's interesting because I feel like in this culture, uh, i guess let's just say american capitalist culture or whatever mm-hmm. it's like art kind of controls and influences and informs the nature of like all things video games mm-hmm. movies skateboards music yeah everything created Furniture. but <laughs> it's on the hierarchy the artists are on the bottom i know Be- because it's like the, the artist isn't important. The, right. the product is important.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm.
2: the other thing I think is interesting in our culture, too, is the uh, like basically the lack of interest in mental health.
1: Yeah. And, yes.
2: In that, and that if you think about it, it's kind of interesting how like our our uh, society is plagued by problems that stem from mental health and and problems that stem from not not allowing creativity to be encouraged or or flourishing in just the, the the average person. I I would guarantee that like crime and dissatisfaction and existential horror would go down tremendously
3: <laughs> if mm-hmm. people
2: were allowed to be creative and to deal totally. with the, the trauma of their just day-to-day lives right. of like, like right. whatever they're dealing with and so that's what's interesting is like arts funding slashed mental health right.
3: slashed, <laughs> yeah and then no it's shit. like oh,
2: shootings and unhappy people <laughs> right. everywhere like oh, right well, going to do?
0: I don't know. More cops. But again, it's like it's like I just said that that's a very neurotypical response to this situation, whereas here we are, these neurodiverse people like what's wrong with them? It's so fucking obvious. (laughs) And then they see us in a social situation like what's wrong with them? It's so fucking obvious. Just behave normal. You know, so it's like there's going to be that schism between and always when you're thinking about typical, you're talking majority. When you're thinking diverse, you're talking minority. So again, already the scales are balanced in a very specific way and the paradigm well, that's and the structure what, is all gauged to the dominant. Then you add more aberrants, like, oh, you're left handed and you have green eyes and you're somewhere in the spectrum. Oh, well, fuck Jesus. Good luck. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's
1: where, you know, I think social media is coming in and, and playing a part in, in correcting this situation because younger people are on social media. Younger people are more, um, open to influence. And so we are, creating artwork and helping to nourish those minds and change, you know, change that paradigm on, on a, on a grassroots level in a way, because I, I, you know, when I, I didn't become a, a, Decide to become a fine artist. I was kind of, I was into makeup effects when I was a kid. So that's, yeah. that's what I wanted to do really bad. But, yeah, but at the same time, I, you know, I watched my dad struggle as an artist. And so I was, it, it, it was partially a practical decision to get into to the film industry. Cause I knew I could make a living at it. Um, and so, but there was, I remember feeling like a total freak that I was into art. Nobody was into art. There was maybe in Pedro, San Pedro, where I grew up there was maybe one or two other kids I knew that were really into art. And, and, and now it seems with social media, tons of people are into art. It's like, it's, yeah. it's a form of entertainment for a lot of um, younger people now via social media, which is really mm-hmm. a, kind of a great, amazing thing, you know? Yeah. yeah it's,
0: it's unfathomable really. Yeah. It's because it's never happened before. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's, it's interesting because that, you know, I guess that's, that's sort of, part of like I mean I am curating the way that I'm perceived online even though I I'm like, I would like to say like, oh man, I just don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, It's
0: inevitable. The truth, yeah. the truth
2: is though, I don't like try to share a bunch of like when I'm in a bad mood or if I feel burned right. or if I'm irritated yeah. or if I'm mad. So everybody's probably like, man, this guy's like human Prozac. Man.
0: <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, dude, no. not Could not be further from the truth. You're just <laughs> not, not airing right your here. dirty laundry because it's none of their business and you've decided <laughs> no. it's not.
2: Well, the, is that really helping? Because really, yeah, right. it's just me being a crying baby, yeah. which is mm-hmm. like, it's my job to handle the crying baby. It's yeah. not the worst <laughs> job, right? right.
3: So, so, I am uh, straight, brother.
2: Yeah. So, but it's interesting because we, you know, like I remember I was working with people with developmental disabilities. Yeah, I was going like to bring that years.
3: up. That's
1: really interesting.
2: Which, which is interesting because once you hang out with people with d- developmental disabilities, it kind of gives you this insight into the world that's way, way streamlined in its beauty. Mm-hmm. And it's very like in your face every day, fun, life, love, beauty like happening. And then just pain too, just struggle. Right. Somebody, you know, so-and-so spilled their soda. Right. Their life is ruined <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> but guess what? I got a soda for you. Everything's cool. You know, and so it's weird because, you, you know, and so it, it's like going into Normal life, like walking down the street, going into the store and shit, b- being in Target, like listening to people create problems for themselves just in the moment. Mm-hmm. This doesn't look good. This isn't. I, I don't like that. You know. Right. And and so, you know, it's it's weird. Like having that inform my opinion about the universe and like how I then was able to laugh at myself so much because I was take, if I take myself seriously or if I am like basically manufacturing problems that don't exist, but they exist now because I created them and I have anxiety or whatever. Right. Um, so having that job, seeing you and a bunch of people in juxtapose, I would read it. I'd be like, ah, oh, shit, man, one day I'm going to fucking, oh, I got, I want to do this, man. I could draw a monster. Man. Do this. <laughs> and, uh, and then doing it. And then like, ultimately, you know, having the struggle, you know, in 2008, I quit my job and I just started doing art full time. It was insanely scary for oh, me, Oh, man. Yeah. Like the yep. economy took a shit. It was really scary. Yeah, you,
1: you picked a bad time. To start. Yeah,
2: man. Right <laughs> then. I, but, if but you can make it through
1: yet. that, you can make it through anything, man.
2: Yeah. So I did that and I was like, okay, here goes. And uh, what was interesting was I remember just painting for like 15, 16 hours a day. I was listening to the Queen albums. I was listening to music, like just painting. I was like, well, I hope my next art show goes good.
3: You know what I mean? (laughs) And it's
2: like, that's literally your life. That's your fucking life. It's like you you don't talk to anybody. You go to a heavy metal show sometimes, whatever.
3: (laughs) But you just
2: paint all day. Nobody knows what you're doing. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Nobody
2: knows who you are. And you're just painting and you're just fucking hoping that – some weird person sees your art, I likes know. it, and then somebody wants to put you in a magazine, maybe, if you're lucky.
1: It's such a crazy so, way to make a living. <laughs>
2: it's, it's, it's nuts. So what's weird is transitioning from that into and and knowing that existence and knowing those feelings and that, and that reality and then morphing into, like, social media world now where we're at this, like, full-blown – I mean – the way that information is exchanging and changing and exponentially increasing and stuff like it's fucking bizarre to watch.
3: And I think,
2: and I think as an artist, as an independent, uh, like, you know, self-employed kind of a person, you have this like unique look at how things have changed in this specific way. Right. And you could take that way that take that knowledge of realizing like how bizarre it is and watching, the shift of responsibility from galleries and magazines and stuff to artists, Mm -hmm. whereas like the power structure almost no longer exists. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's not even there. And, and, and so it's so funny when you like, I get messaged by young artists and they're like, I want to do what you do. I want to do. And I'm just like, Holy shit, kid. Like I couldn't even begin to tell you, like, it wouldn't make sense to you Mm -hmm. if I told you my journey and like the way that I, try to ascertain reality that like the meaning of reality. Like, I don't right. know what the fuck is even going on. I'm just kind <laughs> of like writing. Like if somebody asks me if I want to do something, I go, do I have time? And is it worth my time? And do I, and I go, okay, sure. Right. But like, as far as like gaining the notoriety to be able to like live a life of creativity, I mean, that's, that's been diversified a million fold. You could do, you could just like, there's famous, like crazy famous wealthy people that just post YouTube videos of their anime drawings or whatever. There's like, crazy
1: YouTube stars that show how to make slime or mix yeah. paint. You know yeah, what I mean? Just, there's such crazy, it, 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 yeah. it's, total, it's, yeah, it, it's totally, it's, yeah, uh, it's totally, anything's possible at this point. And, and, yeah. and, and I do think every artist, um, especially in, in art, this is probably true for just a lot of entrepreneurs in general. But it's especially in art the the road to success, I think, is totally different for everybody. It really is it like is. you know because mm-hmm. that's the important thing to say. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm not sure why that is, but everyone I talk to, it's like we I, I can see that there's similarities between my own experience and and everyone else's, but it's always different. It's always mostly different because it's just. It's a weird you have to just kind of like follow this thing you're following this art spirit thing and and you're trusting that it's going to lead that's that's the ultimate thing I think we're all doing is trusting this thing that we can't see it's kind of like this belief in ourselves and in our artwork and we're just seeing where it leads us and we're hoping it leads us to a good place. You know, mm-hmm.
2: it really is sort of like a weirdly spiritual It is. It's t- totally
1: spiritually. Totally.
2: It's like intuitively trusting and having faith in something that basically, by all uh, accounts and measures, is is shit on constantly by people who have uh, capitalist mindsets. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, like. You know, you have to, like, stay in this thing where everybody tells you that you shouldn't do it, and it's too risky, (laughs) and it's a waste of time, and you're insane until you make your first $1,000. And then all of a sudden, people are like, oh, maybe only a part-time job then. You know, and you're like, no, I can do it. And they're like, well, I don't know. You know, and then over time, you're, like, doing it, and everybody's like, oh, do you still draw those little cartoons that you did you still – you should yeah. be an artist. Yeah, I've drawn <laughs> cartoons, and I still do it. Like, I had people, like, I remember, uh, like, people in Sacramento, like, I realized that, like, I had to stop doing things locally and just start to, like, go to San Francisco all the time and do all this shit. So I wasn't in, like, the local newspaper that much anymore.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And then people would be like, hey, do you still do art and do that? Thing you do, do your, I'm like, yeah, I do I just don't do it in front of your face <laughs> all the time? <laughs> but like, if, if um, you, you know, seriously, like, if you tell somebody how much your art is, you go, okay, like, just like a thousand bucks for this painting or whatever. To me and you, we're like, that's that's not that much
1: money, yeah.
2: Or like a, a, the insane effort and time and discipline. Oh yeah, into it's, it. w- yeah. But then somebody be like, thousand bucks. Well, I, I can't, I, I don't, I, you know, like I, that's, that's expensive. And I go, wait, are you, are you or are you not the person who told me that they could not even draw a stick figure? Right. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what people say.
3: Right. Like, yeah. that's,
2: that's that's what every single person says. I cannot even draw a stick figure. And I go, well, then you should have a greater understanding and appreciation for what yeah, I do. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had a fr- my friend of mine used to say, uh, my friend mitch devane i always talk about this amazing sculptor people would say uh i can't even draw a stick figure he'd always say why would you want to draw a stick figure
3: that's hilarious yeah well drawing
2: stick figures sucks (laughs) unless they're just tiny ninjas just drawing a tiny ninja
0: so what- I have these stick figure drawings from when I was a kid. It was first grade and it's this stick figure and he's chopping the head off this other stick figure with a hatchet. And then there's this other one. It was a series of them in these little journals, these little like you staple the paper together, like newspaper print kind of paper, like
2: already. I love little- it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I, and, and the other one was this one that was, there were three of them Was shooting this one guy in the head. he's a totally a stick figure, but the head's all detailed. Like I put a, obviously put a lot of time and energy in this head and there's Damn. a hole and this blood coming in out and the other guy's got this gun you could tell i really worked this tool this gun you know and then the last one's my favorite one and then i'll shut up but it's like it's no so, it's good keep it's, going it's so gross but like it's a concrete vault and there's this guy and he's like uh, ah, and he's kind of like looks scared and his mouth's open and he's just a stick figure but his face again is like this expression and it's this red blood crayon <laughs> that like is coming up to here and there's this drip coming from the ceiling and there's a hole in the ceiling and above in the ceiling is this dead body with a knife in it a dead stick figure and the blood <laughs> is like slowly filling this vault up and going to drown the other stick figure <laughs> in, blood. Blood. Oh, oh, in the yeah. first grade yeah. I just found this the other day it's actually right here I can even show it and to people you people yeah, talk shit out. about
2: narrative art fuck <laughs> <Love> that <Crazy. laughs>
0: so that was my little triptych series in my in the first grade my stick figure odyssey that's amazing <laughs>
2: well when do you you have where are
0: those pieces at are those in right mom's house oh that shit's like right here dude i mean oh you like right Story with element dark. because right like i've been one, the reason this stuff sitting here is because i i have a well i have a i have a yeah, magazine like a sister podcast to this called emails from infinity and it's actually a book it's about all this stuff and so Whoa. i have to have this yeah he had the craziest
1: like the you wouldn't believe that his life when he was a kid it's insane like out of bodies oh, sh- out-of-body experiences every night where he's tormented by all these creatures you would trip out dude what
2: the fuck man i'll send you a link you'll have to
0: podcast (laughs) wait
2: was it like that movie the cell was it like that
0: you it was like that actually and i loved that film because it was so it was like a visual representation of similar kinds of scenarios that i went through but the thing like that like the stick figures That was stuff I was seeing in my dream, but I was not exposed to that because my parents didn't let me watch stuff like that. So I wasn't seeing like people getting hatcheted and shot and you know, drowned in blood in my life. So I was getting this from somewhere else. That's the big mystery. That's Holy why it's so shit. weird, you know? Yeah, it's because creepy, my man. parents were like, well, what do you know? What do we do about this? But they were cool. And they were like, oh, let's just let him do his thing. Let him do his thing. It's all good, you know? So they let me do my thing, which was cool. And teachers were all tripped out. What's wrong with this kid? <laughs> my parents were like, look, he doesn't watch anything about that. He's, it's, he has these nightmares. I don't know what else to say. So yeah, so I was lucky, you know? And so the story emails from infinity is like a autobiographical book with a, an edge to it, I won't go into. But it's—I made it into a podcast, or I'm making it. So I'm on like I don't know what 13, and it's almost done. So it's all on SoundCloud, same platform we're using for this. Yeah, I'll text. So, uh, I'll text a you list. a
1: link to it. Yeah, I'll text you a link. You'll dig it. It's insane. It's it's really inspiring. Just the the visual imagery is inspiring for me as doing this kind of dark work. You know. Yeah. It's. Crazy. I want to see
2: that. Is that
0: Slender Man is telling you? it's so yeah, weird you, you would know. bring that up because i i i've been like all helping the family of the slender chance uh our slender chance that's the name of the website the slender slender man stabbing girl matt geyser and morgan geyser and angie geyser and the, that whole thing so it's funny you should bring that up because i'm yeah, actually the, intimately involved in that whole yeah <laughs> the, the,
1: the one of the girls that did the stabbing was uh undiagnosed schizophrenic and they wanted to they wanted to put you know put her in prison for life 55 years yeah and she was like 11 she years was twelve. she well she just turned 12 when she just did turned- it so she was completely hallucinating the whole thing she was she thought slender man was going to kill her if she didn't kill this kid and and so mike set up hey, a man. yeah it's really it's really a, the whole thing is a tragic situation but mike set up because we know the the parents because the the parents of uh her, her are were fans of my artwork, so I kind of knew them from before. Yeah,
0: that guys supported the I like to Paint Monsters Kickstarter in twenty twelve. Yeah. So got Mike set up like a,
1: like a like a website for them just because the, the at first the media was just shitting all over her and everyone was contacting him telling him she should rot in hell and prison for the rest of her life. But oh. the, nobody knew she was a schizophrenic until that happened, and then yeah. it turned. Then yeah. it turned out she was like talking to. She was having conversations with Voldemort and, you know, I mean, she really, you know, I'm sure you understand more than yeah. the average person because you dealt with people with schizophrenia and stuff th- with your, your job, yeah. right? Dude,
2: you don't even have to have schizophrenia to 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 go into like a really heavy, bizarre place of mental yeah. uh disease. you no, know I what don't. I'm saying? It's like, I fucking, dude, I've had like chronic crushing depression, crazy, like, Problems my whole life. I mean, I I don't like, and I've I've been in in mindsets where I was not myself. Right. Like I wouldn't, and like it just takes a certain kind of concoction of chemicals in somebody's brain to, to make it to, and untreated, right for a long time yeah. to, to become something. I, I mean, yeah, it's it, it, and it's so weird. We like just jump to conclusions too mm-hmm. about everything, and like we live in this country. Where like the media is constantly trying to inform, you know, like trying to like steer the narrative of who's good and who's bad. I mean, it's really, it's really just like an a, an infomercial of blaming people. And mm-hmm. so like you don't even you don't even stop for a second
1: right. to, to gather think. information.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they just start reporting on shit like this person did this, this, and this, and then it's like you you form you correlate like a completely bias opinion by made bias by the lack of information.
1: Right, And then mm-hmm.
2: you get more information. Oh, turns out this, Oh, turns out this. Oh. And then all of a sudden, like in 24 hours, you go from hating somebody to like thinking there that, that you feel bad for them.
3: Right. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's really not, it's really like, um, the, the, the news is really like a macrocosm of the way our minds work. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because our minds do that shit, too. They go, oh, yeah, fucked up. This is fucked up. It's like you got to think of things in different emotional states, and you have to think of things in different perspectives. Like, you have to, like... Like you have to actually think to yourself straight up, ask yourself, is this true in the way that I want this to be true?
1: Well, that mm-hmm. I, I've been I, I just got into uh, I don't know if you know Robert Anton Wilson at all. Yes, he, of course. Amazing. Amazing stuff. I just started. Oh,
2: my God. He's my favorite. Yeah, I just
1: started uh, listening. I, I did almost done with the audiobook book uh, Cosmic Trigger Part One. Oh yeah, the best. It's so amazing. So and I I just bought the book for Mike actually because it was so good. It's like you gotta Yeah, he's it. been he's been gushing, gushing <laughs> over
2: it. I have non okay, there's tons, just so you know and everybody knows on YouTube, nonstop I know. like I, talks I, from Robert Anton Wilson. I know and he goes into crazy, amazing, interesting so shit.
1: Incredible. And one of the things he said is that he was talking about how we filter out, how people filter out information that w- that uh goes against their core beliefs so yeah. it's like on either side of the fence you know politically or whatever mm-hmm. it's like you, you there's there's filters set up in your brain that are just keeping out the stuff that's challenging your your belief system so it's kind of mm-hmm. like
2: right what is that called that's a uh cognizant um by a uh, cognizant uh just, confirmation
3: bias yeah confirmation like, bias you got like it your,
2: your mind your mind is uh See, it's, it's weird too, because you can, you can melt that shit down and change it all.
3: Right. Because mm-hmm.
2: I've, I've, I've felt that way, like a lot, my whole life, like I've seen things one way. Well, what happens is once, once you basically decide to take off the, um, the imposed thinking cap
3: mm-hmm. that,
2: you know, is basically blocking information from, from really being received to you. And like, What I mean by the uh, conditioning thinking cap is like basically when you're forming as a kid and you're growing up, Mm -hmm. there's information raining down on you. And so your mind is creating, you know, its outlook, its perception, its narrative, all this shit. But what what we what we don't do is uh, like encourage people to have their point of view and to uh, you know, basically experience reality from their perspective. We're constantly Mm -hmm. like, no, this is how it is.
1: Yeah. My perspective is how it is. Yeah, Yeah.
2: And so it's interesting, um, that, you know, we're at this place now where it feels like the, the more we try to share information or the more that we try to, um, point to like a different idea or a different example. Like maybe this person wasn't a crazy asshole. Maybe they were just, <laughs> they were just stuck between two, you know, two, stuck to an ideology right. that they felt like they had to do.
1: Right. And mm-hmm. so it's
2: like, if you kind of take away the weird blaming and the weird, I mean, it's hard because I feel like the world is, is, is going to hell and I, I use humor to survive it emotionally.
3: Mm-hmm. But,
2: but mm-hmm. like, you know, the thing that Ram Dass says is like the only thing I can do. And the only thing you can do is like, the only thing I can do is work on myself and do, and, yeah. and challenge challenge the tyranny inside of myself as well as the tyranny of the world. And all you can do is, is work on yourself too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like, if we, if we actually just spend a little bit more time, uh, reflecting on the nuanced aspects of reality instead of basically building a case.
3: Right. You know, we're
2: all building <laughs> a case. Right. <laughs> that's what Robert Anton Wilson talks about, man, conspiring. It's like everybody in this day and age now of the uh, you know overt conspiracy theory like insanity that's basically just deluged our culture. Right. Um he talks he talks about like you know, people are afraid of talking about conspiracy theories or makes you insane. But what you don't realize is that conspiring is in the nature of humanity. Like, like there's, there's like, you know, you're there's the boss and there's like two workers conspiring to get out early. Right. You
3: know what I mean?
2: There's (laughs) like, there's people conspiring all the time. There's somebody out there right now conspiring. Like if I can get Skinner to reply to my email, maybe he'll help. (laughs) But like, don't tell me how to draw a cool skull and then i'll be the skull king well that, whatever i that, don't know
1: that, the 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 you know i i think it, it it starts in the mind too because the mind is really the ego's conspiring to control the the being you know it's like sure yeah, there, there's a conspiracy true. in the mind of everybody which is the fight between the spirit and the or the soul and the ego i think and it's and that's the ultimate conspiracy right there you know
0: it is well, and that, but also I think that there's you know when you get back down to talking you know 120,000 years ago Homo sapiens and what we what we needed the ego for was survival because of course it was imperative that we were able to conspire for instance amongst ourselves right, to be yeah. able to perform. Group duties to create infrastructure, to harvest crops, to plant things, to kill animals, to go out and you know forage. All of those things were necessary. You know, you needed someone to watch while you were sleeping so the puma wouldn't fucking kill you. But the reality is, is that now in this this modernity that we have evolved into, and techn- technology being this influx that it's forcing upon us you know, the ego is so misplaced that we think our survival is based on things like drama in our lives. And so these, these, you know, mountains have become these, or these molehills have become these mountains in our lives. And so we are now misplacing this really basic natural tendency, which is the ego to keep us alive in ways where it actually has no application whatsoever. Cause really We're what doing keeps us the alive is shelter, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Sheltering our growth. Yeah. <laughs> right? Shelter, food, and sleep. I mean, you know, those are the first three things and we all have that. So, you know, the, all the rest of the ego stuff is kind of questionable at that point.
2: (laughs) Well, I think about, uh, you know, like Jungian archetypes and stuff.
0: Like
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I really, I really started getting into it. I've been, I've been going heavily going to a lot of therapy and reading a lot of Buddhist stuff and a lot of like, um, like basically, unraveling and, and, you know, kind of easing up and not being so anxious and depressed. But I've been going to like therapy, this like Buddhist therapist guy.
1: Oh, that's cool. Uh,
2: Yeah. And it's awesome. And getting into all this stuff and, uh, this Jungian shit too, in, uh, in tandem Mm -hmm. with it, the Buddhist stuff. So what I realized too, is that like my ego, which has been incredibly powerful uh, throughout my life, um, because of surviving, mm-hmm. emotionally surviving, like, like protecting myself and right. all this. And so it was weird was like, I had this session where I broke down aspects of myself into these archetypes. And what arose was that my ego was sort of this used car salesman. And I always, and not, and it's so funny because like when I'm in these situations where I feel like I need to impress people or I need to like, you know, claw my way to the top of the hierarchy and I, you know, right. I need to impress like, you know, somebody will give me a job because I'm good, you know, right. I feel like the used car salesman <laughs> is just like, Put me in, coach. Put me in. I'm ready to crush these deals. I'm ready to to sell
1: some cars. Yeah, and and then I just go,
2: no, dude. No, I'm sorry. Like, your job is done. You are not coming out of retirement. Like, (laughs) it's all good. Because when I was growing up, my ego really needed to protect me and save me. But then what happens is you get to this, this place in your life where the ego is literally stifling your growth as a person Totally. because yeah, totally. we change as people and we evolve. And it doesn't mean that I can't engage my ego when it's necessary. Right. I mean, you have to have a lot of ego to be as obnoxious as I am day in and day out. Like you, just <laughs> have to have them, you know, but, but I'm just saying that like recognizing that, like, the ego mustn't die, but it mustn't be allowed to, uh, yeah,
0: you know, run a reign muck. supreme,
2: your life up, yeah. And so, like, I have these other things. I have this, like, little kid in me that's from when I was little. Mm-hmm. I have, like, a lot of female energy that's that I notice is more of the process oriented aspect of my art and stuff that I need to be more in touch with. I right. love it. And then there's, like, the warrior king who basically does my business for me mm-hmm.
3: you
2: know, <laughs> like, my, like my attorney you know I mean? yeah it's interesting to break it all into these pieces yeah. and but I will say I know it's just one way of looking at things but to have things sort of organized in this fashion
0: can really help oh, yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. totally absolutely. totally absolutely. keep yeah. that I love that we're just talking about mental health because it's such, you know, as we started it off, we've touched down in the middle. Here we are at the end again, talking about mental health. And the thing is, it's so important. I mean, that just to bring up the slender chance thing one more time is slenderchance.com You guys should check it out for the Morgan geyser family. Um, but the reality of that was, was that I, you know, at a certain point, as you've said, in Ram Doss reference, there's great. You have to just work on yourself in order yeah. to be anything because you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So you do the best you can do. People are affected and there are permutations from that. But sometimes you have to mobilize too and not just sit by and be like, you know, I feel so fucking bad for this family and that sucks. And then that's the end of the conversation. Sometimes you have to step up and be like, you know, I have the resources right now to actually do something. And even if it does nothing, at least I'm trying to do something. you know. And so us even having this conversation now and touching back down on the mental health issue is so important because that's really, as we all know, you want to talk about symptoms. This world is all very neurotypically focused on symptoms, but the reality is is that the problem is the issue and the problem is mental illness. And all these symptoms wow. you know, that come from it, yeah, those are issues and we should address them. But if we're addressing the problem first, the symptoms don't happen. So this conversation is great. I I'm very appreciative of your guys' independent perspectives on all of this because art is wrapped up in it and spirit is wrapped up in it. Well,
1: that's the thing I was going to say too um, when you were talking about the the therapy and the ego is that um, uh, I, I posted, I forget what the quote was, but it was some thought I had in my head. But the ego should serve the spirit and not the other way around. You yes. know you can't kill the ego the ego will never die it, it is who you are it's part of who you are but as long as if you're using the ego in a in a way that's serving your your inner your real self then that's proper use of the ego it rather mm-hmm. than you know most people I think in the majority of the world is the ego is is um in control rather than serving the mm-hmm. spirit well, yeah. the, the you know ego I mean?
2: the ego will create enemies of the world right it will because it will it will basically have you competing yeah with everybody for every moment yeah for everything Mm -hmm. if if it goes rampant it's just like i have to be number one i got it like everybody else has to be number two yeah (laughs) yeah. i'm a number one i'm swimming in a sea of number twos out here (laughs) well
0: it's like i said Yeah, it's like I said the other day, you know, the old model the old model is competition. The new model is cooperation. That's the thing. And that's the paradigm shift that we're facing here. And whether you want to go with it or not, it's going to happen. It's happening. Look yeah. around. You know, the old yeah. model is competition. It has to happen. The new it model has to is happen. cooperation. That's what this dark art society thing is all about, you know.
2: Yeah, it's like uh, whack-a-mole. You whack one mole down, and two or three more <laughs> pop back up. Yeah. Yeah. They were connecting. No, I, I think about like... Uh, with the like with the Donald Trump kind of election where it's really interesting, where it's created. It's, it's like, I was, I was really agonizing over it because I was like, Oh God, idiocracy, full on, full uh, wave, idiocracy, <laughs> whatever, like, and then, but then I was thinking, you know, whenever I, it's like a macrocosm of like an internal struggle. It's like, whenever I am in upheaval, as a person in my life, like there's something I'm struggling, I'm whatever. It's like, if you really look into it and you really face into it, you realize that it's something to overcome to, to grow actually. Mm -hmm. And you you expand the territory of who you are as a evolved
0: being, you know?
1: And so
2: I think there's
0: God too, as Martin Ball would say.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But like, it's weird. It's weird to, to think about this sort of, Donald Trump basically being like an amalgamation of the worst aspects of our personalities. Like he's really like he's an archetype for like all the trash from from Western civilization. Absolutely. You know, in one being.
3: Yeah. I mean, he can't.
1: It's he and he's. uh, Amazing at that. I mean it's like you couldn't you know, make yeah, it Chet, up. It's-
3: pointed out,
0: Chet, <laughs> Chet pointed out that he is like he's the best super villain we could have ever asked for. And here's the reality, guys. What is Batman all about? Let's be honest. The whole point of Gotham is it's if there's actually a you know an allegory in there, it's not just this cartoon about this bullshit. Until a supervillain occurs, there is no superhero. It's how it works, right? You need need a supervillain for superheroes to step the fuck up. So for instance, (laughs) I don't consume mass media news. I'm not into it, right? But I went on this trip back to see my folks and they do. So they're watching it. And I I think it was Bloomberg was the guy's name, but he's like one of the biggest billionaires in the world. And what does he do? He goes to the Paris climate treaty and represents the United States of America with his independent funds. So here he is with a huge team of individuals that are all specialists in climate shit. And he's like, you know, I know our president's an asshole, but we're here representing the real United States of American people, you know, and how wow. can he, that. So now I'm not, I don't know enough about the guy to call him a superhero, but what I'm saying is you got super villains, then all of a sudden there's a reason for these people that have all this money and all these resources and all this capital and all this persuasion to be able to actually say, God damn it, fuck it, finally I'm motivated to do something with all this money I have, right. you know, and shit like that. That's a huge step. You never would have seen that before. You needed Trump or to even, see an independent, it, represent the United States oh, of America with their money.
1: even and even and on a Even on a a small level it's it's you know it's it's brought up uh it's give it's given people given people a reason to access their own um political interest and the yes. political will yeah. and to kind of evaluate the the meaning of a cooperative society and you know what i mean it's like you don't yeah. when you're just comfortable and everything's cool it's like you don't challenge yourself in that way well, but I feel when like you're that's faced what's with
2: interesting is barack obama really i guess kind of induced the liberal aspect of our society into this like lulled haze like oh
1: right yeah this, oh yeah no yeah, yeah we cool. finally yeah we, we gotta cool. Cool.
2: It's all good <laughs> and then all of a sudden Donald Trump, everybody's like what the fuck, <laughs> 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 what the yeah. fuck
0: yeah.
3: yeah but
2: like yeah i think well like, it's, it's it's really like even people that maybe don't have the same you know backgrounds or cultural interests or whatever all of a sudden they're like It's like, oh, yeah, you don't. Okay, this is bringing us together. Like, this Donald Trump, like, oh, yeah, let's come together against this shit. But, like, it has to be more of a sustained outrage, though. It has to be, like, after Donald Trump is out. It it has to be like now. Let's fix shit. Let's make
0: the yeah fix- yeah. That's what I, that's what I always harp on. Do people are like you know why are we so surprised? Do you did you not learn about the electoral college? It's not like this is a new thing, folks. So like, that's the kind of stuff where we have to look at these things that have existed yeah. since the '50s well, and say okay. At that point in time, it made sense for us to vote for representatives for districts to then represent the states to then have larger votes than the mass populace because we were disparate, we were spread apart. But now we're in a position where we shouldn't have all of the weight of act, the actual vote in the hands of individuals that we're not even connected to as individuals because we don't even abide by that structure because that paradigm is old and lost.
2: right. Yeah.
0: Plus Plains the a, system.
2: <laughs> plus do you want like a bunch of like rural uh, communities that that don't that don't have your same values that might be like these these more like to them would be like hedonistic values. They're right. just you know smoking pot with drag queens and blowing pot smoke on abortions out there in California. That's all they do. You know, and it's like, nah man, actually we just trying to get along and survive shit and try to like uh have a good time. And like you're you're you somehow for some reason you got lost in Appalachia. And we're sorry about that man. <laughs> but you gotta cut you gotta cut you gotta come out here and well, smoke some of this weed, man. It's gonna be yeah.
1: Here, here's the the other interesting thing. Uh, uh, I read. I was reading about the whole Trump thing, but, but which, and I and I want to, you know, I want to before we're getting to it's we're pretty far into an in hour 17, which is probably the longest yeah. one we've done so far. So I oh, want to sorry. kind of, no, no, it's amazing. But okay. um, before, but before I say this, I want to say, I definitely want to talk a little bit about drawing with Skinner. Cause that's like my favorite okay. fucking show in the world. But, so um, but, but, but first I want to say what's interesting too, is that um, I was reading an article on understanding the, the Trump voter and um, how he, got, you know, because you, you got to look at this stuff rationally and and, and really yeah. tr- try and take it all in and understand it rather than just, it's easy just to be pissed at it but um you know one thing they mentioned is or, or the the article is how how does trump get away with being such an asshole constantly and he doesn't get it get, doesn't get the kind of scrutiny to get his ass impeached or or kicked out at this point yeah and um And why does his base still support him? And it's because this guy made a great point. It's because these are people that have felt left behind from the from the capitalist system, the overall corrupt system of of America, uh, American economics. So these people are like, you know, what we don't have shit anymore. And these are, you know, what his base are, you know, I guess white, uh, poor, poor a lot of poor white people that have gotten Mm kind of left behind from the with you know the new.
2: Gig neoliberalism. Economy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's like, uh, uh, they, they st- still stand by him because they're like the whole reason for voting for him and wanting him in is like, you know what? We're left out. We're left behind. So now you fuckers get to know what it's like. Every all you people in the middle <laughs> class you 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 get to know what it's like now when you have no control, you have no one representing you and yeah. and and so it's kind of like I think that it's it's a kind of an important reaction and a legitimate reaction to sure. a broken system in general. It's not mm-hmm. taking care of everyone. It's a system that is not taking care of everyone. And so, you know, they, they let him get away with shit because they, they didn't elect him to get things done. They elected him to fuck everything up because they're like, was you know this, what?
2: Uh, was, was this article in Cracked Magazine? <laughs>
1: no, I don't think so. Because <laughs> I read that
2: one. That one was good. Yeah, they have some pretty amazing
1: stuff on Cracked. It's crazy. It's
2: so good. I mean, because like, and I, dude, growing up in Auburn, like I realized, like I grew up around a bunch of like sort of redneck, blue collar type people. Right. And there was guns and there was drugs and there was like people punching each other and there was chauvinism and there was homophobia and racism and all Mm -hmm. this shit. And so I I grew up, I grew (laughs) up hating, I grew up kind of hating it and kind of just being like, I'm not feeling, I'm not into this shit. I like, I don't equal, I don't, well, I was a victim of weirdness. Basically the people that were doing that shit that were supposed to like indoctrinate me with the, the, those ideas, like basically fucked up and like just treated me so weird that I was like, okay, anything that you're into is stupid. I hate you. I want (laughs) you to die. (laughs) So, um, so it's interesting because I know not everybody is like that. And I know that like people are really forging these perspectives based on the information that's encouraged to them. Right. Like they just, so like these people that live in the middle of America, they're like super nice or whatever. And they're like, we don't care about black people as long as they just stay over there and we don't have to deal with them. And Mm -hmm. like to them, they don't, they don't see that as like a limited view or whatever or racist or fucked up. Like they're just like, They've seen TV movies. All the black people in movies are crazy. and But they don't actually know
1: any of them. They don't have any black friends or, you know. Mm -hmm. Because that's Mm -hmm. all
2: it would take.
1: I
3: know. (laughs) Because that's that's literally
2: all it would take. Like, you have all these racist people signing up for the military, and then all of a sudden they have to hang out with black people, Mexican people, gay people, all that shit. And they're like, oh, I guess they're not that bad. And they did (laughs) just save my life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so... I think that like that's the thing is there's been um, like there's just a lot of uh, um, separation of people right. and cultures and things in America and that is purposeful. That is on purpose. That is to keep white people afraid of black people and black people hating white people and like yeah and, and like in like you know country people hating city people right. and city people hating them and like you know. It's all built and encouraged by a structure that benefits from a divided society. Right. That's just all it is. It's like if you're a boss and you have workers that work for you, are you going to just let them get together and and hate you? You could rule them with an iron fist and they hate you and they want to, like, steal food from the pantry and do all this crazy (laughs) shit. Or are you going to make it so that you they're divided you treat one unequally so that that one has loyalty to you and then that one tattles on the others right, yeah and you know what i'm saying it's yeah, like yeah. it's such a fucking classic move
1: yeah and yeah. that's
2: that's what we have is mm-hmm. like and that's ultimately what i'm hoping Donald Trump like brings more people together than than we can right. but every time the government creates a hardship on the lives of the people they immediately find ways of pushing the attention from the government and from what the government is doing and has done forever to people of color mm-hmm. look at them they want your jobs we're going to build a wall they're stealing money they're stealing yep. resources look the black people are crazy they have all the guns look at this look at that right. it's like it's like the amount of crime in and the the amount of a drain on on us nationally is it even Fucking close to the drain of subsidized, socialized uh, programs for banks, large oh, corporations. Yeah.
1: Not even, but no, it's nothing. <laughs> it's it's nothing. nothing.
2: But that's not common knowledge, right? And mm-hmm. like trying to explain to somebody that like the industrial, the military, industri you know, the, the uh, military industrial complex eats up and destroy destroys more lives than like could possibly be done. It's like. There's no funding for school but we but we're we're actually buying tanks that are millions and millions of dollars. Uh, the the Senate is demanding that the military need more tanks. Right. Because well they don't need their them. constituents yep. in their city have jobs. It's like, dude, none of it makes sense. But meanwhile, apparently we all hate each other for these arbitrary reasons, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's it's fucking it's crazy, dude. We gotta crush
0: these motherfuckers. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, don't ever don't, don't ever let to unite with some redneck. Come on, redneck.
0: <laughs> let's do this. Don't dude. ever don't ever let anybody tell you that you don't live in an exciting time. That's all I have to yeah, say. Yeah, that's no. true. That's Even, true.
2: Okay, so sorry I, about my rant. No, guess, that
1: was. But... Uh, this this has been a great That's interview. What the show's about yeah, if you, yeah
2: okay i can tell you about drawing with skinner if yeah you that show
1: if you don't know about drawing with skinner it's so fucking funny it's so great oh, it's so amazing it's man it's thank you. it's it's, it's literally it's my favorite show now <laughs> ever you know Damn. it's like it's so great and, and it and it's uh <laughs> pro tip pro tip Pro tip: well, <laughs> Sharpen your brush. <laughs> it's just, it's great, it's great, it's funny, and uh, and I'm glad, and Thank I have to you. say, where I know... is
0: it at? What's the platform for it? It's on a uh, Super Deluxe, the
2: the the internet, uh, teen algorithm study cybernetics center for. It's on, I see
1: it on YouTube. <laughs> I <was> just kidding.
2: <laughs> it's
3: on no, YouTube.
2: It's, <laughs> Super Deluxe is like a. Um, it's like a weird. I think like Time Warner gives this company money to cultivate internet content. I don't know. It's
3: so. I think funny. it's.
2: I think it's, it's cool, so but at the same time, I wonder like is just just a way to sort of like collect data about the success and the Every, that like, but
1: everything. Everything's. I know everything's everything is like, but like that. It's always, you just gotta so give into
2: like, it. Wayne's world. Wayne's world. Part of time. <laughs> you know, it's like really. I I think that the internet you know, is really at its best when it's just independent. I mean, right, people right. make memes. It's an art form.
1: Right, yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. bizarre,
2: <laughs> man. I was making some this morning.
1: I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, Mike no,
2: just started no,
0: but a like, meme group. But like, I just started a group. I'm going to have to invite you to it. It's called <laughs> Irreverent Mimetic Code, and it's all about what you're just starting to dip into. But we that would be a whole other episode. We can't <laughs> okay. even go there because <laughs> i got to yeah, pee that. and smoke and get a drink. But tell us about your okay, show. The
2: Sorry, keep me on task. <laughs> so, uh no, so drawing a skinner is cool, super deluxe. Um, I think that they were looking for some content. Um, this guy, Alan Cordell, he's the director. He's awesome. He co-created yeah, this. Yeah, the me.
1: production is great. I love the product. It's so good. It's just Thank so good. You just gotta watch it. It's Thank you're so you. funny. You're like uh you're you're like a a a personality. You know, it's it's not just about the art it's oh. about you as a personality and it's so you're so entertaining to watch i love it oh, i love it thanks i, I, I it. don't
2: know i i can't i i'm not certain that super deluxe is convinced it's that i'm so actually good
1: a personality. <laughs> it's, <laughs> oh, it's you're, you're, you're like, hey, you you exactly were made you were made to have a show like this man this is I like i
2: want to do it for sure yeah so i think we're gonna do two more episodes um and then uh uh, then maybe uh, my goal. This is my goal: is to um, get them to allow absolutely. Who does Tim and Eric's awesome show? Great job and Eric Andre show and all this stuff. To get them to take over the show so that I, I can then work with them, their production, st- you know, staff mm-hmm. to get it on a get it on like a Adult Swim or oh, yeah, it'd be great. Know, some sh- some late night show or whatever. It should on, be on
1: TV for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I wanna do it and I know that I need to probably tighten up some of my interviewing skills and stuff it's like that. Perfect. But like
1: it's perfect. <laughs> I want it's supposed to just be hanging out. I know, it's, it's perfect. I'm telling you you don't have to do anything. Just keep doing the show the way you're doing it. It can't be better. It really can't be better. And uh, I and I know cool. I've lobbied. Chet has for, really
0: good taste. Chet <laughs> does have good taste. I'll <laughs> and, give it to him. And
1: Thank I know you. I've lobbied before, but I really I know you're getting like big star you're getting like celebrities no, and stuff on there now. You on I wanna that, be man. on that show so bad. Cause I yeah, just love it. I, want I just love that it
2: bad too. They, no, they, so I try to get, I've been trying to get like drag queens and artists and they're like, they're like, um, well, it's a youth. It's like a very young right, Like right. company. So they're like, does anybody in the office know who this drag queen is? Like, right, you
1: know, and right. everybody's
2: like, um, I haven't heard of it. Once you I've get more, heard of RuPaul.
1: What, once you get more success though, with it, if it gets yeah, more popular, I, which I, I think yeah. it will, then you'll be able to maybe make those calls, you know? You have, yeah, you had buzz on there. Buzz is yeah, an old so, dude so like me. So we
2: had a comedian, because I told them, I was like, I don't want white dudes all the time. I just I want, like, you know, and they're like, okay. And I was like, get some female comedians, yeah. get some, like, get some other people, like. Um, And then they got, so they got Nikki Glazer, this comedian, and then she canceled right before.
1: Uh, okay. And so,
2: like, the the day, uh, the day before. And so, like, I call Buzz and I'm like, hey, buddy. Uh,
1: <laughs> that was a great episode, tomorrow? man you know, and he's, he's too like, funny.
2: He's like, uh, when, when, when is it going to be? I really like to do things early in the morning. And I was like, okay, no problem. So I arranged the schedule, had him come in, got, everything was cool. It was totally chill, but we weren't really like super close buddies or anything before. So I was like afraid because he's very, <laughs> he's very anarchic.
3: right? Yeah, So yeah, I was yeah.
2: afraid like if I was too weird or if I antagonize him too much, that he would like freak out and leave the show. I don't, I don't know him that. <laughs> so then I was like kind of nice and shit. And then like, but it's funny cause knowing him now after this experience and kind of texting him uh-huh. pictures of doll heads and shit, you know, <laughs> like, uh, I feel like I could have fucked with him a lot. Oh Yeah. He's longer. a
1: really nice guy. He's super yeah. cool. Super, super chill guy. Yeah. But yeah, so I, 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 I wish you all the best with that because I love that show. And, um, you know, if any any of you any of you out there in the uh, our listening audience, if you wanna um see me on the show, you should write super deluxe. Yeah, I'm gonna
3: <laughs> I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep pushing,
1: dude. I know, I, I know, I, I appreciate it. I know I know I appreciate it. What are you doing? Pissing in a in a jar?
2: Yeah, I'm pissing in a jar right
1: <laughs> now. <laughs> what a great so way to end one the show.
0: On, you're one up on me. <laughs> Sorry. I
2: had I couldn't wait anymore. <laughs> Hold on one second.
0: Don't mix it with your moonshine, though. That's the important thing.
2: Nah. Okay. Uh don't worry. This is going straight back down into my, uh, into no. the fridge. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I tried to wait.
0: Well, it happens. <laughs> you know what's so funny it. is that. But hey, Skinner, to- where did where where did the where does the listening audience find you at? What's your best handles?
2: Um, at uh, the art of Skinner. Um. Uh dead. pretty much that's it. I don't really go on Twitter that much, but that's just at Skinner on there. I just uh my my Facebook, The Art of Skinner, but um Instagram is mostly the place where I yeah. just do. His, stuff his, his Instagram
1: feed is, is the place to go. It's it's yeah, I was checking Man, let's it out today. It's an amazing it's, page. Yeah, there's so great funny. stuff there. Chet so, sent me a link
0: and I was all over it. Yeah.
2: That's cool. I, I really encourage people To try to be creative there because it's really it it it's really um it's kind of like if you want to uh kind of grow as an uninhibited person you can use it that way you can use it but you have to not be afraid to look like a fool oh yeah you know yeah and that's hard I think
1: uh, you're doing a great job at it (laughs) I love your videos (laughs) yeah I look like an idiot no it's great it's I love it. I love it. It's But like,
2: I think go, I want to go more into that performance. I
1: stuff. think you should. I think you should. So, like I said, I think you're, you know, you're, um, you're a personality. You're, you're, you're an entertaining person to watch and you're really funny. So I, cool. I enjoy your videos <laughs> as much as I enjoy your artwork. Honestly, okay. you know, yeah, well, yeah. I
2: trust you. So that makes me feel like, okay, <laughs> yeah, you I'm, should, if you didn't like it, I would be like, Oh my
1: God. I love it. It's like my favorite. <laughs>
2: Have to go Favorite thing direction. ever, dude. That Kozik story
1: is true. Oh, uh, it's amazing. I know, <laughs> it's amazing. You should go go on. Just go on to his Instagram and listen to this story about Kozik. It's 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 pretty unbelievable and hilarious about Frank <laughs> yeah. Kozik. Uh, I I know Mike's got a piss really bad. I can tell Mike, he's squirming. I'm Sorry, I,
3: I, I didn't <laughs> wait for
1: you, man. But, you could have had a jar. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> so uh, let's let's wrap this. <laughs> you almost <laughs> filled that thing to the top, man. <laughs> you got lucky there. That could have been I'm a disaster.
0: Sorry, I know how it goes. It's I was in a tree. St- I was in a tree stand recently doing the same thing. So
1: all right, oh, so. Yeah. Th- I want. I, I want to thank uh, Skinner for coming on. It was great. Yeah, you're absolutely. awesome. We got to have you on again because you definitely. I would love to anytime. time. Uh, excellent. Yeah, we'll definitely have you on again. And we'll uh, talk
0: about my. We'll talk about my reverent mimetic
1: code page. Yes. And we'll, I'm and,
0: into that. Do you,
2: you, okay. One last thing. Do you go to the Manly P. Hall Center of Studies and stuff over there in Hollywood?
1: I I have never been, but I'm a big fan of Manly P. Hall. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, th- I thought Mike might. Send- he sounds like he's talking that manly P hall talk.
1: He's in New- he's in New Mexico. They have a- He's in New Mexico. Yeah, I'm oh, in New Mexico. Shit. All right, never yeah. mind. Yeah. I'm out in I'm out in the wild west. Yeah, no, manly P hall is shit.
0: No, I'm even. I'm way up north of. I'm in Ojo Caliente, like way out north. He's out in the middle of Whoa. nowhere. It's pretty cool. Middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry to
2: interrupt on the outro,
0: but
2: (laughs) 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 I'll be on anytime. All
1: right. I appreciate it. You're, you're amazing. And uh, there will be a
0: Skinner part too.
1: Yes, definitely. And uh, we'll put links to all his pages and stuff in the description. description. And thank you, Mike, for, Holding your pee for so long, and, and happy birthday! Thanks for coming on your birthday. Oh, happy
2: birthday, dude! We we totally passed that over. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> not.
0: No, no. What's important is Skinner. You're the episode here, so birthdays oh, happen. Skinner, birthday Skinner's the Orange like a, Sunday so far, <laughs> once every thirty eight episodes or
1: something. Yeah, right all so, right thank you and thank you listeners thank you uh, for listening and um, please leave your feedback read, read and your buzz. ratings and all that stuff and please spread the word because people are still still find just finding out about this show so it's yeah. appreciated and uh, there, um, Thank you Skinner
2: absolutely yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you Mike yep. goodbye everybody catch you guys next Wednesday